to the Dauntless Grace Exchange. I'm Deidre. And I'm Megan. And today we are going to be exploring the Enneagram a little bit further. We're actually going to look at the structure of the Enneagram, how all the numbers connect and how they get grouped. So if you've never seen a picture of the Enneagram before, and um, I have seen it, what, a million times, I still can't draw it without looking at it. So if you've never seen it, go Google what the Enneagram looks like so you can follow along as we kind of talk about it. In fact, funny story, Deidre, we were just teaching some of this to one of our um, college small groups the other day, and one of the girls decided that she should draw the Enneagram for everyone while we were sitting there talking about it. And none of us could figure out how everything connected without Googling it, even after talking about it, looking at it just hundreds and hundreds of times. Yeah, the lines confuse me a little bit. And if you don't understand which way the arrows are pointing, that's also kind of confusing. So we'll get into that a little bit today, though. Yeah, so go Google, Google the image and we'll talk about it. Um, so the nine types on the Enneagram, they can be grouped together in lots of ways. Um, and the most common ways are, you'll hear about, and we talked about it a little bit on last week's episode, are the triads and the stances. So I think we'll go ahead and talk about um, the triads first. And triads and stances are both based on the three centers of intelligence, thinking, feeling, and doing. Everybody has at least one center, well, they have one center that is the dominant, which is kind of how we take in information, and one center of intelligence that is repressed, which is basically we don't use that center then to process information. Like, it's a little bit hidden. Uh, We don't, it's repressed, we don't pull it up. Um, I've heard some people don't like the word repressed, so I was trying to think of what that more appealing word is, and it's completely slipped my brain now. Well, on a scale of one to three, it's the bottom. So Right, right. <laughs> it's not ranking high in your uh, first instincts. <laughs> right. So the triads are formed around which center of intelligence is dominant, and stances are formed around which center of intelligence is repressed. So, yeah, and I think the thing that helps me remember the stances is that it's your orientation to time, and that always reminds me then how that impacts it so that that later as we get into that might help people understand it a little bit better right do you want to kind of give an overview of the three different triads real fast we talked about them last week um just to remind people what those are yeah so the one thing i like about these is they're more sequential in numbers and how they're grouped so the gut triad is eights nines and ones it's kind of like you started on a clock uh not at noon a little bit past like over at 10 o'clock and you work your way up to the one. I don't know. I'm weird that way, but that helps me remember. So the gut triad are the eights, nines, and ones, and they're doing dominant. So their dominant center of intelligence is doing. They're, they are all very much about getting things done and tasking through their world. The heart triad would be the next three, twos, threes, and fours. And again, that's just very nice and easy to remember. It's just the next three on the, around the clock there. And their dominant center is feeling, which makes sense why they are in the heart triad, because they're all about the feelings first. And then the next three, fives, sixes, and sevens are in the head triad, which their dominant center is thinking. So that's super easy. Gut triads are the eights, nines, and ones doing dominant, heart, twos, threes, and fours feeling dominant, and the head, five, sixes, and sevens are thinking dominant. Awesome. And then the stances, which are based on the center of intelligence that is repressed, those are grouped a little bit differently. So um, sometimes I still have to look at a cheat sheet to remind myself which three are grouped together. But 
um, in the dependent stance. These are ones, twos, and sixes. And their repressed center of intelligence is thinking. And you're probably right now going, wait, but Deidre just told me that sixes are thinking dominant. So how can they be thinking repressed? And we might have alluded to this also last week, but um, threes, sixes, and nines are a little bit of our anomaly numbers. They are considered the triangle on the Enneagram, if you look at it, and they are each the anchor point or the middle point of their triad, which means all three of those numbers, three, six, and nines have the same repressed center as they do dominant center. And all that means is that they take in information through that dominant center, but they don't use it to process the information. So a six is always taking in information through thinking, but they aren't using productive thinking then to process what to do next. So ones, twos, and sixes, all of them repress thinking, meaning they don't use productive thinking to process. And all three of those numbers are oriented to the present time. Yeah, that's why that helps me remember them a little bit better. I kind of have to think through my numbers if I don't remember it was, you know, ones, twos, and sixes. I'm like, well, which ones are more in the present and dependent on what's happening in that moment. So that dependent on the present circumstances, people that are around you, you know, whatever is happening um, makes a lot of sense then for how they're grouped or at least helps me remember. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Um, The withdrawing stance, this is comprised of the numbers four, five, and nine. Their repressed center of intelligence is doing Again, nines are doing dominant, so they take in information through doing, but they don't use doing to process what needs to be done, which is a little confusing. And when we get to our nine episode, we might talk about that a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. Um, But those three numbers, four, fives, and nines, they are doing repressed. And again, it doesn't mean they don't do things. It means it's not always productive doing, and sometimes they get paralyzed in their doing. Um, And all three of them are oriented to the past. So... Um, so again, that helps me remember yeah. they're withdrawing because they're past focused. <laughs> I'm just trying to I'm help gonna... our listeners out. It's just a lot of information. And when you're not looking at an outline, at least for me, like that all just like was, doesn't mean anything. I'm just trying to help us out. Withdrawing, past focused. But if you go to dauntlessgrace.org, you can actually download your own Enneagram guide sheets that has this diagram and all of this information on them for your number or any number. Yep. They're not expensive. They're super cheap. They're really well done. And they have a ton of information on them as a great starter guide. All right. Um, the That's last, the end of our commercial for that. Right. <laughs> I mean, for now. <laughs> the last stance is the aggressive stance. And this is the last three numbers, threes, sevens, and eights. Their repressed center of intelligence is feeling. So I'm going to sound like a broken record, but again, for threes, that means that they take in information through feeling and they don't use feeling to process the information. Sevens and eights, they interact with feeling a little bit differently. They both can access some feelings, but not a full range of emotion. And they definitely don't use it to process. And this is because all three of those numbers are oriented to the future and feelings can kind of slow them down and get in the way. So I know that's how you remember the aggressive stance because they are charging ahead And they're aggressively moving into the future and they don't want to be bogged down with feelings. That's good. Wings, wings and lines. That's what we're going to talk about next. I cannot tell you how many times I see on my Facebook or Instagram where people are like, oh, I'm a five wing too. And I'm like, no, you're not. That's not a thing. And I get it. Um, When I first started learning about the Enneagram, it was super confusing. There are so many moving pieces 
I had no idea how everything connected. And I took a test that told me I was a nine and that my second number was a seven, I think. And so I could have walked away from that going, I'm a nine wing seven because I knew I'd heard the language, but I didn't know how the pieces connected. Right. So um, let me just tell you really quickly, a wing can only be a number on either side of your core number. For instance, I'm a four, so I could have a three wing or I could have a five wing or I could have no wing or I could have a little bit of both. Um, you could have a big wing, a little wing, balanced wings. One <laughs> Sounds like a Dr. Seuss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write a book about it. No, it's going to rhyme though. Um, one common like school of thought about wings is that you start, you know, the first half of your life with one wing. So I can look back on my, my childhood and see that I probably had a strong three wing where I was really competitive. And then as you kind of get older, maybe grow healthier, you start to add in that other wing because it kind of balances you out a little bit more. And I do see more five coming out as I get older. So for you as a one, you can have a nine wing or you can have a two wing. That's how those numbers connect kind of on the circle. So what have you seen about your wings? Uh, I think that my behaviors growing up would really uh, testify of that two wing. Um, But also a little bit, I've got a little bit of middle child syndrome, sort of. So the nine kind of makes sense there too, a little bit. Um, Again, though, what was motivating me would be the fact that I wanted to do the right thing, which is really my core number, which is one. And so if the right thing meant being a peacekeeper or not, you know, being present in the moment to draw attention or to serve others, like those are nine and two behaviors. So yeah, I could see those behaviors being really strong. And actually because of that strong two wing, that's why you had a hard time differentiating what your core number was because you did act a lot like a two. And so it was really digging down to, but do I want to serve people to belong or do I want to serve people because it's the right thing to do? Right. And that's really what helped us drill down. And same for me, you know, I was really competitive as a kid. I think my mom would have thought I was a three if she had just looked at the Enneagram, but I didn't want to be the best because that's where I found value. I wanted to be the best because it made me different from other people, which is really that four motivation. Right. So wings never change a person's motivation. They're only about behavior and they honestly don't mean a whole lot, except maybe to explain why you act the way you act sometimes. Finally, well, I don't know about finally, there are so many things we can talk about the Enneagram, but I really want to hit heavy today the lines and how the numbers connect. So every number is connected to two other numbers on the Enneagram. Each number has a number they go to in stress and each number has a number they go to in security. This is where it can start to get a little bit confusing if you're just starting out learning about the Enneagram. So if you are able to look at one of our guide sheets right now, this would help you. Um, If you're not, kind of just listen with one ear. And as we dive into each type, we'll probably talk about this a little bit more in depth. Yeah, this has a lot of potential for uh, how you can start to grow in health when you understand where these moves are happening. It also explains why the diagram has all these lines and arrows pointing at different numbers. (laughs) Right. So um, we'll just start at the top. The one in stress goes to four, which means they can pick up unhealthy behaviors of a type four if they're not aware of it. We also like to talk about how we need our stress lines to help us in times of stress, but it's really important to choose then the healthy sides of our stress numbers. So ones can grow when they're choosing the healthy side of four in times of stress. Um, In security, ones go to seven. So they can kind of naturally pick up some of those really good behaviors of a seven 
Um, but there's also that unhealthy side they can pick up if they're just kind of blind to their own behaviors. And we call that the blind spot. So it's really important to know that stress doesn't always mean you go to the low side and security doesn't always mean you go to the high side and that we do have choices in behavior as we are learning and growing in our patterns. Yeah, we actually um, will talk a little bit more about these as we do uh, the interviews with our, uh, our types. So uh, like next week, we'll be sharing some time with another Enneagram one and you won't just hear my perspective, but yeah, it's good to know, like, what does that look like when I make that move intentionally versus kind of sliding into it or spiraling into it or whatever and or being blindsided by something we didn't realize was an aspect of it. And it shows a lot of health when you start to have more awareness. The Enneagram 2, they are connected to lines 8 and 4. So in stress, they go to 8. And in security, they go to 4. So it's important for 2s to understand the behaviors of both an 8 and a 4 because they're going to kind of naturally pick some of those up in times of stress and security. Yeah, I think that eight space for them helps them set boundaries that they can't in their two space. But if they go there without meaning to go there, it can look really aggressive and just shut people out completely. So uh, again, just always makes a difference when you're unaware versus making intentional choices for your own health. All right, for threes, they go to nine in stress and insecurity, they go to six. So those three sixes and nines are all connected for a lot of reasons, but because they're the top of their triads, um, they, you know, uh, they all have lines that connect to each other. So they're kind of interesting. Uh, it, it just as a group of numbers, the tops of those triads. And, uh, so as a three, they're always achieving, they're always future focused, they're always doing, and it's really important that they understand how to go to nine and stress so that they don't just suddenly spiral into it where they are um, refusing to be present, but they're choosing it for their own health through practices that are um, not normally their behavior. And then, of course, in the six, uh, going there in security, they become a really great cheerleader for others and very uh, about community-minded instead of having to win. Enneagram fours, which is what I am, we go to two in stress, um, which can look a lot like really needing other people to validate who we are. That's where we kind of will naturally go to find affirmation, someone to fix us. But if we can choose that healthy side where we're really there to serve other people and get our head out of our own feels, then it can be a healthy space for us to take care of ourselves in stress. We go to one in security, which means we um, can just get things done. Um, I, this is where uh, our relationship is kind of fun because as a one, I can kind of learn from you. And one of the things I do when I really know that I need to um, get a little bit more, get out of myself and kind of like embrace a more healthy side of who I am is I go wipe down my counters. Um, and I make fun of you for that because you walk in and as a one, you all, you see every crumb in the house, but, and I don't, but I do, I choose behaviors like that, that feel a little bit more productive because that help, kind of brings me into that security space too, if I'm feeling a little bit out of control. Yeah. And that's something we should have probably noted before we started diving into these, that in your stance, you're going to have, you know, that if, I'm going to say repressed since that's what we said, the repressed center of intelligence. And so where you go in stress or insecurity, I mean, will actually be the opposite of that. So for you as a four, your repressed center of intelligence is doing, but for a one, that's their dominant center. So you actually can find that you can move there 
on purpose by activating, like pulling up that repressed center and just do something, just get something done. And suddenly it kind of shifts you into that other number that is your security place and that uh, helps you get productive. But it's like, you have to be intentional about that because it's not, it's not your first go-to, you know, you're going to go from your feelings at the top. And when those get too much, it's just a really good step on the uh, Enneagram to make that choice. So that would be true for all of these, that where you go in security is probably going to be the number that, you know, is, is your repressed um, center of intelligence is their doing, or I'm sorry, doing is not the right word. It's, it's their uh, dominant. There you go. Uh, I actually have a series on my Instagram that is talking about like growth steps for each type. And it is, they focus on how to choose the high side of your stress number and how to choose um, pulling up your repressed center of intelligence. And sometimes that looks like going to your security line. Sometimes it looks like going to that stress line in a healthy way. But if you can kind of focus on intentionally choosing those things, there is where a lot of growth can happen. Yeah. So fives, uh, they go to seven in stress and they go to eight in security. And this, uh, again, is really good for a five uh, because they're so in their head thinking all the time that that move in stress to go to seven actually frees them a little bit to just be in the moment and experience life and enjoy what's happening instead of being worrying or overthinking it. And again, that, that security line in eight helps them to start just moving forward out of and doing, which again, for them, that is their repressed center. So they kind of need that move on the Enneagram to start to get out of their head and engage in doing and being productive with the things that they spent so much time researching. It's funny because they're the fives stress and security moves are probably the two biggest moves on the Enneagram because in both cases, they're going from past to future. They're basically jumping ahead two time zones and both a seven and eight are both a little bit opposite of what a five would naturally uh, feel. Fives are going to be a little bit more naturally introverted. Both sevens and eights are going to be naturally a little bit more extroverted. So these are huge moves, but I think they are to pull the five out of that, um, that comfort zone a little bit and help them grow. Yeah. <clears throat> Sixes, they are part of that triangle. So they go to three in stress and nine in security. So a six falling to three, um, it, it really means that a six can get caught up in their anxieties and their fears. And so they can look really, really busy and productive, but it's kind of paralyzing them from doing anything when they get into that frenetic three energy um, of stress or in the security, they can kind of go to that nine space where they're just not quite as affected by all of the things that are plaguing them and worrying them. So those are two moves that a six needs when they can choose the high side of three in stress then they really can step out on their own and say, you know, I can stand by myself. I can be independent and I don't need someone else to really tell me that what I can produce or be is good enough. So, yeah, it helps a lot with that self-questioning, self-doubt. The sevens are fun because I share a line there. So I go to seven in security, but a seven goes to one in stress and um, they go to five in security. So for a seven who's very, these enthusiasts that are very future focused and, you know, everything is good about life and they don't want to, they want to be pinned down to the schedule in the moment. It's actually interesting that in stress, they go to one where they start kind of almost critically, you know, if they, if they go there without doing that on purpose, um, start doing and criticizing and getting a little bit, um, 
I don't know. I don't know how to explain it very well for them. But when they, again, like every other number, if they make the choice to go to that one space, it really starts getting them to be able to put some structure in their life where their natural tendency would be to not want that. And in security, they're going to be able to be more of a research gatherer. Um, they probably naturally do that and just planning all their adventures and vacations, but uh, it's a space where they can pull up some of that uh, center of intelligence as well. And it, and it just slows them down a little bit, you know, it kind of calms yeah. them a little bit to go into that five space. So it's definitely a healthy move for sevens. Um, eights. Eights share a line with two and five. They go to five in stress and they go to two in security. So in stress for an eight, that means they probably have hit, and you know, from the eights I've talked to, it takes a lot to get them into such a stress place that they really withdraw. But I, I do think that's what an eight will do. They'll, they'll act like a, the bottom of that five, they'll kind of withdraw, they'll pause, they'll take time, they might gather their research to come back and, you know, whatever the conflict was that caused them stress, or maybe they weren't winning the argument, whatever it is that caused that eight stress. And they kind of go into that space and retreat a little bit. And they can do that in a healthy way or in an unhealthy way where they're kind of locking people out. Um, but in security, eights move into that two space where they can naturally be a little bit more nurturing, um, more serving. It's not about them controlling them. It might be about serving someone else's vision in a space. So I've seen um, some really healthy eights in that two space. <clears throat> and they still are powerhouses who get things done, but they're serving alongside others. And it's just really neat to see. And then for the nines, again, they're like the threes and sixes. They share those lines. So a nine in stress goes to six and a nine in security goes to three. So imagine a nine who's feeling like they really can't show up for life and and be in the spotlight or be, you know, have a voice suddenly in, in security, they start moving into this three space where it's like, Whoa, they just, they, they showed up, man. And they're doing a great job. And there they are. It's really fun to see them there. Um, but then on the opposite side in stress, if they don't choose this, uh, they can kind of slide into the worry and the um, fears of a six. So it's good for them to uh, be able to make that choice intentionally when they are feeling stressed to go to the high side of that six number and be more community minded get out there and you know be a cheerleader for someone else and uh find some people that believe in you that you can listen to their voices to encourage you all right so that is um it felt like a lot of information in a really short amount of time but we really wanted to get you guys just a little bit of the structure the triads the stances the wings the lines there are other things to look at in the enneagram um another way i've seen of you know, grouping the numbers are in harmony triads and um, those are grouped completely differently. So uh, different numbers are with different numbers and it's based on like what they are seeking in the world. And so I'm not even going to go into that because it's just too much information. No, but, but I think that's going to be a really good one we're going to do after some of our interviews because that is really cool and really gets into how God's wired you for a purpose and how you can share that with other numbers. Yeah, I think that's good. Um, and then there is also tri-types. There are subtypes. Um, if you start going down the rabbit hole, you will never escape. So all I will say about tri-types and subtypes right now is there is probably some good meat there, but it's not where you need to start. You need to take, if you're starting this journey right now, or even if it's just been a few months, maybe even just a year, just stay looking at stress, security, stances, that's really where the bread and butter of growth is right now. And then later on, you could, you know, go down that rabbit hole a little bit and explore what some of those more quirky aspects of the Enneagram are. 
Yeah. And just getting to core longings, fears, and things like that are really going to help you differentiate your number from another, because like we've already mentioned, you know, our behaviors can really show where we're at in stress and security at that time when we're taking the test. Like, just don't base anything just on a cursory glance. It, it all takes a lot of research and digging. But we've laid a good groundwork. So I'm really excited that the next nine weeks we're going to be doing uh, interviews with different guests who are the number that we're talking about. So stay tuned. That's going to be the fun. So make sure next week you're here for our interview with Tori, who's our first guest as a type one. And also just to throw this out there, we have opened up ticket sales for our Enneagram retreat. That is going to be yeah, in Colorado this November. It was actually supposed to be last year. Um, the pandemic made us postpone it a year. So we have our fingers crossed that um, travel will be opened up for people who want to go and spend the weekend at a little resort with us in Colorado Springs, November what, 12th through the 14th, I believe. Um, and you can find out more information at dauntlessgrace.org on how to buy tickets for that. Yeah, you don't want to miss it. You can't have more fun than talking about Enneagram, having hot tub time, looking at the mountains in Hopefully November. No. <laughs> yes. Gorgeous. All right. Well, that's a wrap today. And we're going to come back next week with our interview starting. So fun. And that wraps up another episode of the Dauntless Grace Exchange. You can follow us on social media to stay connected. We are on Instagram at Dauntless Grace Ministries. Our Facebook page is Dauntless Grace. And you can join the conversation in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash team DGM. For more about the Enneagram, visit our website at dauntlessgrace.org for coaching and training opportunities. And you can follow me on Instagram at Enneagram Megan. And be sure to check out our website for more information about today's podcast at dauntlessgrace.org.